Hey, Waters Church, welcome to the last week of last days. Part five coming up in just a moment. But I am absolutely sure that some of you are wondering, well, what about the book of Revelation? Okay, we haven't had a chance to get through that book yet because it's a big book and it's super complicated. So good news, tomorrow I'm releasing on my YouTube channel a revamped presentation of the book of Revelation. We did a study two years ago on my YouTube channel. We're bringing it back and we've cut down the episodes 15 minutes each. I want to challenge you, tomorrow we release the first seven episodes of it. Tomorrow morning, check the YouTube channel out right here in the link right there, youtube.com slash and make sure that you are watching those videos as we go verse by verse through the book of Revelation and discuss the four interpretive views of that incredible book. Man, the world is crazy, things are nuts, no better time than now to dig into the end times through that book. Okay, at all of our locations, different preachers, and we're going to hit last days, part five, right now. Good morning, Waters Church. How are we doing? All right. You guys ready for church, even though it's Memorial Day weekend. And uh, I know George has mentioned uh, we just thank God for the lives, for those who gave their lives in service to this country. And as a reminder again, we know that Memorial Day weekend also stands for this is the official day where you're allowed to wear white jeans. Amen? There's going to be no judging right now. So from now until what? Labor Day. That's it. After Labor Day, a lot of judging. But now you are allowed. All right. So welcome, guys. I want to just extend a warm welcome for those who are here for the first time. Um, and I'm going to ask you guys if you call Waters Church your home. Not only uh, help those who are here for the first time, but just welcome those who are watching online. Can we just give them a warm Waters Church welcome? Yeah. We thank you. We praise God for you. And we hope that you guys keep coming back. And hopefully make Waters Church your home. Amen? All right. So, I'm going to, before we get going, I just want to give honor um, to what honor is due. I just want to honor Pastor Tim for uh, allowing me and giving me the opportunity to be here with you guys and finishing off the last day's sermon series. So, could you guys just help me? Uh, just give it like a, a warm and a thank you to Pastor Tim. Yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. So, today... For part five of the sermon series, Last Days, it's titled Sheep and Goats. Some of you have already peeked in into the notes that we have given you that look like this. And you see the title of the message, Sheep and Goats. Some of you have opened your Bibles. And you may have a different title because you have a different translation. Some of your translation says, for Matthew 25, verses 31 and 46, some of them is titled, The Final Judgment. Some, of them, uh, some other translations have it titled as, The Judgment of Nations. So, you know, just a nice, light, rosy, fluffy kind of message that you want to kick the summer off with, right? Yeah, I like it. You know, it sounds like I'm going to be in the right crowd today. Uh, as you can imagine, and you know this by everybody's reaction, this is not an easy topic. 
this is not a popular culture uh, topic in our culture um, and just judgment just perceived to be this like huge negative thing right now right like you hear it all the time you say, you know, uh, I stopped going there because I felt being judged. Or that place, all they do is judge. You know, don't judge me. Who are you to judge me? Uh, I start coming to this church because, or that church, because I have not felt judged. You know, judge, 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 judge. The average American churchgoer does not like to hear messages about judgment. Uh, the average American churches don't preach about judgment. But praise God, Waters Church is not an average American church. Amen? And the reason we're going to preach about God's judgment, God's judgment, is because it's in Scripture. And if Scripture brings it out, you bet we're going to preach on it. Amen? You guys ready? Let's do this. Uh, R.C. Sproul said that the three most hated doctrines and topics talked about in the church are three things. Predestination, judgment, and hell. And because again, today is your lucky day. Verses 31 to 46 of chapter 25 of the Gospel of Matthew, it talks about all three of them at once. So we're going to go ahead and do that. But um, I'm going to test you, see if you guys have learned something from the previous four part. I'm going to say a sentence, and I have confidence that you guys are going to help me finish the sentence. Are you guys ready? On three. We know that Jesus has talked about these things not to scare us, but to do what? Prepare us. All right. We got some Christians who are going to heaven today. All right. You guys, these guys are good. Amen. So before or further ado, uh, just uh, let's all just stand up. When we're going to read from uh, God's Word, um, Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. And it goes like this. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will, will gather all the nations... And he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did, when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on the left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. 
Then they, all, they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is God's word. Bow your head, let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you that there's truth in your word. And we thank you, Lord, that your word and your son, Jesus, set people free. And Holy Spirit, we just invite you into this room to minister to us and minister through us, Lord. And I just pray, Father, that, that as we meditate and as we reflect on these verses, Lord, that our uh, that that will be a pleasing offering into your sight and that you would help all of us, Lord, here in this room and online to see Jesus, him and him only. And we pray this in the matchless name of Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a seat. Okay. As you can tell, this scripture today from the end of chapter 25 has stayed consistent with this theme that we've seen all throughout Matthew 25 and actually started well before that. So like in chapter 13, we've seen things like, and the theme was separation, right? Jesus separating sheep from the goats. And you remember in chapter 13, uh, there was a parable about the good seed and then the weeds. So Jesus separating those two. Uh, there was again a par parable about the four types of soil. There was uh, one soil was called the path, which basically there was no soil. There was one that was rocky, right? There was a rocky ground. They had a little bit of soil. There was one that was called among the thorns. And then there was the good soil, right? And we also, uh, the effect of throwing seed in there and each soil, what each soil produced. Uh, followed immediately by the, the parable of the fisherman casting out a net. And then when he brought the net up and he's, he find out that he caught bad fish and good fish. And just like a good fisherman would do, he will separate the good fish from the bad fish. And that was a picture of Jesus in the final days. In the, in the judgment day, he will separate the righteous from the evil ones. And just a couple weeks ago, Kicking off chapter 25, uh, Pastor Tim talked about uh, the parable of the 10 virgins or the 10 bridesmaids. And how there was five wise bridesmaids that had flasks of oil for their lamps when they were all waiting for the groom. And they were separated from the five foolish ones that ran out of oil. So when the groom came... Only five, uh, five wise ones were faithful, were ready, were ready for the groom. And last week, we saw the parable of the servants with the talents that was given to them. And how Jesus separated the two faithful servants from the third one. And uh, the, the point that drove the message home for me was that faithfulness believes that God blesses those who make the most of their opportunity. And that was the answer for the second question of what was, what does the last day church look like? So before the first answer was ready with the bridesmaids. And last week we looked at that the last day church is faithful. 
And today in this passage, we have a, a description of what will happen during the final judgment. Jesus will come in his glory with his angels to sit on a throne in this earth. And he will judge all nations. And if you look at the original Greek word for nations, it meant is ethnos. All ethnicities, all humanity. That's black, white, brown. That's Democrats, Republicans. That's us and them. That's everybody. Sheep and goats. And also describes what will happen that the righteous judge, the King of kings and Lord of lords, will reward the righteous sheep. And he will condemn the goats. And throughout this uh, message we're going to talk about, so every time you hear sheep, it's actually a picture of genuine Christians. And goats refer to not the atheists, not the unbelievers, not the Hindus or, or, or whatever religion, but actually the goats are the fake Christians. So sheep and goats, goats and sheep. My main frame of uh, reference uh, for sheep and goats is strictly culinary. And I got to tell you, they both taste nothing like chicken. <laughs> Trust me. Um, but in the, in, the, in the time of the Bible was written, uh, this made sense. So people who, um, he, he, they would have understood this reference. So when the shepherd will bring in the sheep and the goats for the night, that the shepherd will stand at the door of the gate and he will make uh, sure that the sheep go different way than the goats. And the reason, why, uh, the reason was is that the sheep, because they have thick wool, they don't require a warmer place like the goats because the goats don't have thick wool. So the goats actually spend the night in a slightly warmer place than the sheep. And I, I've watched a seven and a half minute YouTube video. Well, I, I typed it in the search bar, how does the shepherd separate sheep and goats? It was fascinating. The most fascinating seven and a half minutes from a Pakistani shepherd uh, guy that was separated. It was inter interesting. He had a different voice for the, shep uh, for the sheep, and he had a different voice for the, for the goats. And it was interesting to see how that interaction, they all look alike. Like from, from, from the video, it all looked like the sheep looked almost exactly like the goat. Like they're all grazing around, they're all eating kind of the same thing. But then it made sense and how at one point he just separated them and it was interesting. So the picture, so all these parables, let's not forget that all these parables and all these stories that Jesus is bringing up, these are Jesus' words. It, it meant to, uh, they're all connected and it meant to paint a picture of what does a last day church look like. So the picture that it paints is that Jesus wants his last day church to be ready, to be faithful. And today we're going to look at, if you fill in the blanks, the question, what does a last day church look like today? Answer number three is genuine. So fill in the blank, genuine. Uh, this part of uh, Matthew 25 has been and will continue to be one of the most misunderstood, misapplied parable out there. Uh, and one thing we ought to make clear here today, despite both the outside noise and inside 
noise within the Big C Church movement, this is our stand and we want to make it very clear. And we refuse to bow at the altar of the loudest voice out there or the cultural message. Our message is this, is that this is not about social justice gospel. This is not about works righteousness gospel. And this is not about I'm a good person gospel. Amen. That's not what the, those passages preach. We're going to look at it. And for those who are saying, no, this is actually teaching works, works uh, salvation by works. <clears throat> right out of the gate, if you follow along, I'm going to give you four reasons why this is not teaching salvation by works. Let's just hone in right there. If you go to Matthew 25, verse 34. Four reasons why this is not teaching salvation by works. Jesus is saying, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom. Reason number one, inheritance is passed down and not earned. Right? What they're receiving here is called inheritance. What is an inheritance? It's something received as a result of having earned it. No. I was waiting for a reply there. I was waiting for <laughs> But I'm going <laughs> to. It's not. Uh, we can't earn inheritance. Uh, inheritance is something you receive by having a relationship with the one that really earned it. So inheritance cannot be earned. And in the same verse, verse 34, I'm going to give you the same reason. Right immediately after he said, inherit the kingdom, he says, prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So reason number two, inheritance, if you fill in the blanks, is prepared from eternity and not of recent fabrication. The inheritance is not a product of the inheritor. It's not. It's something, it's not uh, something that we are built by our own effort. It was prepared by God. That's what it says. Third reason, salvation by works contradicts the consistent teaching of the rest of the New Testament. It cannot mean that. You don't have to go far. If you stay in the book of the Gospel of Matthew, you just flip back to chapter 7, verses 21 and 23. And I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, this is Jesus speaking. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and we cast out demons in your name and we performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. You may have known me, but I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. This is telling us that it's never about what you did or even about knowing Jesus. It's about being known by Jesus. Amen. And John 3, 16 famously says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever... Did enough good works will go to heaven? No. I'm glad you said that. It says that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. 
point, uh, uh, fourth reason. Fruit are evidence of the root. Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 10. And I'm going to read it again from the NLT uh, translation. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. So you were saved by grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Jesus is not telling us here that our works save us. But that our works is an evidence that we have been saved and transformed through a relationship with him. That's what that verse teaches. Friends, the works are not the means of salvation. They are the evidence that we have been saved. <clears throat> I'm going to give you a couple examples. Listen carefully. Uh, an apple tree, since my friend Chris had brought these fruits in here, amazing looking fruits here. Uh, an apple tree is not an apple tree because it produces apples. No. It actually produces apples because it's an apple tree. Okay, you look puzzled. I'm going to repeat it again. An apple tree is not an apple tree because it produces apples. It produces apples because it's an apple tree. And since we're talking about sheep, I've read this quote from an article. Having real wool does not make you a sheep. But being a sheep causes you to have real wool. Interesting how that works, huh? We Christians produce good works because we have been transformed by Jesus and have a relationship with, with Jesus by the grace of God. It's only through a relationship with Jesus that we get to produce good fruit. And at the final judgment, whether you like it or not, and I know this is not a popular message, but it's in the Bible. So we have to say it. At the final judgment, at the day of the judgment, there's going to be only two groups of people. There's not going to be rich and poor, Democrats and Republicans. There's going to be saved and unsaved. There's going to be sheep and goats, genuine and fake Christians. There's going to be no, I know this is going to sound offensive to some of our Catholic friends. There's going to be no purgatory. There's going to be no middle ground. There's going to be no knockoff ticket to, to, to go to heaven based on good works, friends. There's going to be none of that. And if they told you so, tell them to show it to you in the Bible. I'm going to bring in um, an illustration about knockoff tickets and trying to go to heaven. Yesterday, this might be very unfamiliar with you, but I'm still going to throw it out there. So yesterday was, was the Super Bowl of all Super Bowls in Europe, not here. Actually, in all of the world except the Northeast, right? <laughs> uh, so this is what I'm talking about. In soccer, I mean, mean in football, like the real football, the one we play with actual our feet. We don't use our hands to throw the ball. Um, there was a Champions League game. It's the best two teams on all of Europe. They faced off. They faced off in Paris. It was Real Madrid of Spain against Liverpool of England. Woo -woo. And they faced in Paris. And then Twitter went crazy because, because right before the kickoff, there was this announcement 
that the game is going to be delayed at least 15 minutes. And you know the reason was? I know that you guys like, what is this guy yelling at us and telling us about soccer? I could kill us. Listen to me. There were so many people trying to get into the stadium with fake tickets that it actually, it delayed not 15 minutes, but I think it was like 35, 36 minutes. By the gate, there were so many fakers and so many people that have bought tickets. They thought it was real with so much money, you wouldn't believe it. But the, 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 the police force and all that, they had such a hard time dispersing the fakers. And they, you know why they didn't want to start on time? They want the people with the real tickets to come in. And that was a big deal. There's like investigation right now. How come there's so many fake tickets and all that good stuff? And I know this, like you guys, like what is this guy saying? All I want to say is that maybe, maybe when the day comes, there's going to be people that they think they have the real ticket. And this is the time, friends. This is the time people, Jesus is not trying to scare us, but he's trying to prepare you guys. Only the genuine article those who have submitted their lives to Christ and confessed that he has died, rose again, and reigns right now as Lord and Savior over their lives will be able to get in. So what do genuine Christians do? Point number one, genuine Christians bear fruit consistent with the root. Verses 35 and 36 he says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. And I was in prison and you came to me. When Jesus is your root, you become more like him. You bear fruit consistent with him. He is our root. Uh, works without the foundation of faith to spring from. Our labors that leads only to death. And, and we don't have to go anywhere else in the New Testament or Old Testament. If you just stick with Matthew and you flip back again. Let's cross-reference this like from the same context. Get into Matthew 5 verse 16. And you know what he says? He says, this is Jesus speaking. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to you? What does it say? Give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The fruit reflects the root. Reflects where we get this stuff from. Paul, tell, Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.18. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. Always being ready to share with others. The fruit that's the fruit. As many of you know, I grew up, I'm going to bring this bring this again. And I grew up as a Muslim. And um, when I grew up in much of the Arab Muslim world, we had this um, unwritten rule that we, I grew up watching and seeing and, and doing. Uh, if you trip while walking in a sidewalk or at home or at work, or if you, know, if you like stub your toe or like you have butterfingers and you drop something, uh, you know what you said? You just uh, go ahead and you curse the Jews. Uh, kind of like the uh, way Americans will say, God bless you when sneezing. Uh, now, I am not proud of that. But people speak out the Arabic equivalent of curse the Jews 
in response to a minor mishap. Now, this just was a demonstration of the fruit of the root that I had. It was 100% rotten fruit. Shocking to say now, right? It was actually shocking to April, uh, my wife, when, uh, when I told her that this was the custom. And, you know, my mom and my sisters, you know, said it consistently. Even when they used to come, when we used to have a relationship in, here and, and they used to come and visit in the U.S., like, just happened. And here's the thing, when I gave my life to Christ and I became rooted in Him, that practice immediately, instantly became deplorable to me. And you know something, you know what it felt? It felt like having a sip, the first sip of your orange juice in the morning, immediately after you brush your teeth. Like it was yuck, that's what happened to me. I couldn't do that anymore. I was like, this is not right. You should have the juice before you brush your teeth, you moron. I, a man who grew up with every cultural and religious message being uh, to despise the Jews, immediately had a complete change of heart and felt genuine love and care for Jewish people. That's Christ, my friends. That is Christ. That's heart transformation and not behavior modification. There was no process for me. And this still bugs April. Like she, she, we were trying to, when we, I was rehearsing the message. And he said, like, well, wait, wait, tell me. What was the process like from going to cursing the Jews to not and loving them? Tell, I want to hear the process. I said, all I could come up with, all I could muster up was there was none. It was immediate. You can hate me for this. And you can say, how come he got an immediate change and I didn't? I don't know. But I'm going to share it with you because I feel like God will use it for you too. And some, for others, it's a, it's a gradual change. It does not happen immediately. But I got to tell you, it happens because it has happened. And maybe that will encourage some of you guys. And uh, another thing that you're going to hate me for, for those who smoke cigarettes or, or, and stuff. I remember uh, in my previous profession, you know, stressed out chef, working crazy hours and all that. So I used to smoke cigarettes all the time and like a pack a day. And I was like half a pack a day, not pack a day, half a pack a day. Uh, and I was a Muslim and, and I started going to this church and I just want to listen to messages. I want to hear about, you know, what they preach out there. And uh, I got to tell you, there was one message that talked about how our bodies is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And how we should care for that temple of the Holy Spirit. That it is no longer ours. It is what? The temple of the Holy Spirit. And I got to tell you, uh, I got out, you know, at the end of the church, I got in my car, hit the road in the highway. I got to tell you, I opened the window, I turned the window down, and I did something very, very bad. Uh, I, I took the pack of cigarettes and I threw it right out the window. And I'll tell you, until today, and I know I littered, I'm sorry. Uh, you can give me a fine. Shane will take care of that. But it was, it was like, I no longer want to do this. This is not helpful to me. Why would I want to hurt something that kind of affects my relationship with the Holy Spirit? And I just, that's, that's the basic, uh, that's the, was just the basic thing that I understood at the time. So I just like chucked it out, boom. And until today, I got to tell you, since that day, I never had a craving and I never smoked cigarettes since that day. And you're clapping now because you think I'm a good guy. I am not. You should be clapping because that was God's, that was God's word. That was the power of God's word that just set me free from that. 
So that is the mirac uh, miraculous and the instant transformation that can occur when you become rooted in Jesus. Good fruit are the product of good roots. And, 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 and let's just set the record straight. I didn't say the, the curse the Jews story because to vilify Muslims, you know, listen to me, uh, my parents, my siblings, uh, the guy that I get the best honey from and I go and I get Moroccan spices from are all Muslims still till today. And I love them and I pray for them. It's just it's to say that it just shows that the fruit we bear are the product of our root when we accept Jesus. We then, when that happens, we then go on and produce uh, fruit from him. And you're all looking at me like, why is he holding a peach? Maybe the peach will come to play later. But I want to share with you from uh, John chapter 15, verse 1 and 2. He's, Jesus saying, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch that, of mine that does not produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more Another scripture from James, and I love James because he was the brother of Jesus. He actually didn't believe in Jesus at, fir at first. <laughs> it was like later on. And, and nobody knows Jesus more than his brother, right? Like he probably, they, they had like bunk beds, you know, they, they all listened to each other's stories. And, and they all like fought for things and all that. Listen to what James is saying. Ch uh, uh, James 2, 18 to 22. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one? You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works. And faith was completed by his works. Faith is first. And works spring out of faith. It's not even the, the quantity of faith. It is the quality of faith that matters. And some of you have that like, oh, I need to have more faith. No, you don't. You just get whatever you got going, make it better. Uh, and it's the no-so-secret, secret thing, right? That even the faith to believe in Him, He actually gives us to us in, in the first place. So all you got to do is ask Him today for more faith. And as long as we're rooted in Christ, He works in us, sometimes instantly, and sometimes He refines us over time. Um, and in, when we respond in Him, Building faith in us, just like James says, we actively, actively demonstrate his good work to others by what? By our actions and service to others. Second point, what do genuine Christians do? They, genuine Christians believe everyone matters. Everyone matters. Matthew 25 verses 37 to 40, he says... This is Jesus speaking. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked or clothe you? And when, and when, and when? They're asking. They sound surprised. 
They know they have not seen Jesus and they know they have not done those things to Jesus. And this is what he tells them. Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. <clears throat> Let me be clear again. This does not mean that every choice, every cause, every feeling, every belief that people champion needs to be rallied around and supported. We got we to gotta have discernment, people, right? We got we to gotta discern which cause to support. It, it does, however, mean that the difficult person, you know that person? The one who actually messes up, the one who is on the outskirts of society, the actually genuinely marginalized person, the one that does not dress like you or speak polished English like you, the one that... He struggles to rise above the circumstance. The one that like messes up and they just look and seem unredeemable. That one, that is the one that we ought to remind ourselves, guys, that he or she are too created in the image of God. That they are image bearers of our Father in heaven. We ought to love them. We ought to love on them. And act like Jesus when he reached out and, and touched the plagued leper and he healed him. And act like Jesus when he healed the blind man. And act like Jesus when he healed the woman with the blood issue. And act like Jesus when he went and sought after the woman at the well. Those are the marginalized people. And you know what? Some of these amazing miracles that Jesus have performed, he did them with the marginalized people, the genuine marginalized people, not what culture tells us who is marginalized and who's not. So how do we demonstrate genuine love for God? If you fit in the blanks, the answer is we love people genuinely. And if we can't or won't love other people the way God does, then we don't really understand him or Maybe haven't even really been born of God. Yeah, I know, I know. You think that because this guy is holding a microphone here, he got it all together. I Trust me, I have a hard time loving people the way God does love them too. And if you're honest with yourselves, you should raise your hand with me right now. There we go. We're like 30% honest people in this house today. 31% of people. I know, we can't love them, and you know why? That's when you and I need the power of the Holy Spirit to help us. Because only from God's love for us, that we can then show genuine love for other people. We have to start from there, not earn it, but go from the position of, I am loved by God, therefore I'm going to spread it around. That is the fruit. That is the fruit. Who wants some fruit? Raise your hand. Troy, you didn't raise your hand, but you're getting a fake apple right now. Who wants a peach? Want a peach? Right there. Does it, does it, does it feel good? Does it taste good? We're going to talk about that fake truth. This is what separates, guys. Okay, focus here one second. Focus. No fruit talk. That's what separates sheep from goats. Is the power allowing God by the power of the Holy Spirit to work in us in order to Produce good fruit. Amen. And look at Paul's words. Ah, oh, First Peter. I mean, not 
Paul, Peter. First Peter chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. He says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. That imperishable part, that, that can only be the Holy Spirit. It points to the Holy Spirit that lives inside the life of a believer. And he will help you even when you can't do it. Amen. And now we're going to talk about the fake fruit. We're going to talk about the goats. You guys ready for some goat talk? <laughs> All right. Three signs of fake Christians. We got to go through this, guys. First sign. Fake Christians practice preferential treatment. Whoop, whoop. Not popular message. Anybody following the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard situation? Good. Some of you said no. I love you guys. Don't if you're not. It's, just, it's sad. It's sad. It's like watching a train wreck in reverse. Have you seen that before? Like during this trial, we got two supremely bad behaved people uh, with their uh, lawyers duking it out over who defamed and abused who. One of the things that Ms. Heard continue has stood on is that Mr. Depp is a powerful man and people will do anything to please him and be in his orbit. His celebrity is powerful. Her celebrity is powerful. Uh, they've spent hours trying to prove their side of the story. Uh, the, we got witnesses giving testimony based on influence, fame, and you know what? Money. Uh, money that they have and hope to have at the, at the end of this trial. Uh, people who know nothing about them in real life have strong convictions. Uh, some of you are sitting right here. Uh, about their guilt or innocence. And they have vilified and championed them. You guys who know nothing about them have vilified and championed them on what? On their celebrity. James tells us, chapter 2, verses 1 and 4. He says, my brother, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For a man... Wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into Waters Church on Sunday morning. And a man in shabby uh, depleted clothes also comes in. And if uh, one of the ushers pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, Hey, you sit in the good place right there. And while, uh, and while you say to the poor man, the other usher will say, Stand over there or come sit by my feet. You know what he tells us? That we, you have... Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges, judges with evil thoughts? I know that people here in this church don't do that, but I was just trying to make the point. Uh, Paul tells us in Philippians 2, this, this message is full of scripture because scripture is so good. Just, it just clarifies it, it supports it, and hopefully makes sense, right? And it will make sense. Watch this. Paul, Philippians 2, 3, 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Okay, this is going to hurt a little bit. People in this church are not immune to this type of celebrity culture or worship, really. 
Sometimes we look for the people in power and want to be in their orbit more than we look for the one in need of Jesus and reach out to them. Uh, and soon before you know it, we're talking here about status versus service. And we might be doing, we, pretty soon we might be doing this whole church thing for the wrong reasons. Uh, 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 Jesus, guys. Jesus is the answer. We're here to seek Jesus together. Believe it or not, the guy that stands up here every Sunday morning and preaches to you, he needs Jesus too. The, uh, we need Jesus and focus on Jesus to spur each other on towards Jesus. To reach those who have not yet discovered the saving grace of Jesus. You know, those who are not yet here. We have to keep our eyes on the true prize, which is Jesus. And then when that happens, Jesus will, will just set the rest in order for us. Second, fake Christians act differently around others. If those closest to you would not recognize you at church on Sunday morning, you might be looking, you might have a problem. Uh, we need to take a moment and check our heart and check our fruit. I'm not talking about the mass chaos that happens when you're trying to get your family up and running out the door on Sunday morning to be in time for worship. Although that moment can use some sanctification too, amen? I'm raising my hand, guys, right here. You should see me. Totally different guy with horns and things like that. No, but what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the two different versions of you. Like, like, like the Saturday night version of you when church people are not around versus the Sunday morning what a church version of you. If there's a gap, if there's a difference, we might want to check the fruit. We want to check our root. That's just it. Like as we grow in faith, we become more and more Christ-like. And if we generally are submitted to Christ, submitted and surrendered to Christ, we don't need to be perfect. And if you come here to this church pretending to be, you're actually cheating yourself because you're not allowing God in to work in you. Fake Christians don't produce fruit. All right, finally, we'll talk about fake fruit. Do you see how amazing looking these fruits look like? And you all know by now that it's fake. I blew it for you. But it looks good. It, it, it's good for the show. It just, it's good for the eye. But once you take a bite. Here, take a bite. Take a bite out of that. By the way, I need those fruits at the end of this <laughs> message. Can you take a bite out of that? You know why? Here, take a bite. You can't. Don't worry about it. You can't, you know why? It's made out of plastic. Some of it is made out of foam. It's fake. You don't want any part of that. It's just like the sheep and goat. When they're out there in that YouTube video that I saw, it was hard to distinguish which one was sheep, which one was goat. Just like if you're sitting in the back and looking at this, it's got, this guy's got fruit. But I, these are fake fruits. And you only know that when you get close and you check in and you look at inside, it's all plastic. I, uh, uh, I've seen here, fake Christians don't produce fruit. I, in my time here at Waters Church, I've seen the uh, friends, amazing, great people, wonderful people who served every week diligently <clears throat> uh, without fail, and then they're gone. Uh, the works were it for them. 
Uh, when the rubber hits the road uh, and there, is, there, there isn't the faith behind the works, then, then the bumps and, and twists of life becomes a, a, a crisis of faith. It is easy to walk away from works. There was never a root there to begin with. And, and they walk away from the church. It's so sad. And I'm going to talk to you. If you happen to be a new believer, visiting for the first time, if you happen to be not a believer, listen to me carefully. Genuine Christians will fail time and time again. That does not make us fake. It does not. Real genuine Christians repent and ask God for help. And we get up with God's help. And, and most importantly, with the help of our brothers and sisters in this church. Amen. So don't be afraid of failing. And don't worry if people judge you if you fail. If you fail, you're in the right place. Amen. Third point. What do genuine Christians do? Genuine Christians will give whatever is required. Luke 3.11 says, John replied, If you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it. Share it with those who are hungry. Old Testament style now. If you go to Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 7 and 8, it's beautiful. If among you one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother. But you shall open your hand to him and lend him or lend her sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. Genuine Christian giving is an act of worship. Genuine Christian giving is an act of worship. What is an act of worship, you might say? An act of worship is the one that glorifies the creator. It's not about the person who's given. And it's not about the person receiving the giving. I'm going, I'm going to say this. It's not about the person giving. And it's not about the person receiving. It's about glorifying the creator. It's, it's about keeping our eyes on Jesus and doing this so that everyone will get to see and taste that the Lord is good. It's about Jesus. He is so good. He is so very good that as we obey him in faith, in service to others, he works more in us, believe it or not. He draws us closer to him and he makes our will aligned with his. And sometimes that first act of obedience to accept Christ, sometimes it transforms us instantly. And sometimes it's with just a little, small, faithful movement that he does that. He just refines us. He is separating us from the goats. And you know why he separates the genuine from the fake? Because he is a good shepherd. He wants good for you. He knows that you don't want to be associated or be put in the same place as the goats. Amen. Because imagine if a thick-walled sheep goes and spends the night in a warmer place. That sheep might be roasted by the morning. <clears throat> when we give, let's make it practical. When we give to Waters Church, we keep the lights on, the heat on, the AC on. How many of you guys like AC in June, July, and August, and parts of September? Hallelujah. Amen. Right. Only 25% of you. All right. The rest are, I don't know what to tell you. 
we have a, a, a epic egg drops to reach the community. We feed the homeless and we give, we, we preach to them through the Providence Rescue Mission. We give Bibles across the world. We support and we reach out to the moms that find themselves that they're single moms and pregnant. And, and sometimes you have to pay attention to the video loop that happens when, during the time of giving. That's where your giving goes. In fact, if you're here today or watching online, that is possible because of other people giving, believe it or not. Uh, Pastor Tim mentioned a couple of weeks ago that um, we are at the last stretch of renovating our South Coast location um, building. Uh, we're, we're planting a church there, and I'm going to be the pastor there, the location pastor there. And I believe that uh, we're planting that church not because we believe we're going to have the best lights and the best music and the best coffee and cupcakes and bagels. Yeah, we do. We actually do. Like, that's not true. But that is not the only reason for my friends, my pastor friends in the Fall River area. Yes, we do have better lights and music than you. Uh, but that is not the only reason. You know, we're planting that, uh, that church for the sole goal to telling people that no matter where they're at, no matter who they are, that they matter to God and that He loves them. And our giving is important. And when you give, you do kingdom work. So in closing, there's a sermon, a sentence. <clears throat> the genuine Christian is transformed from the root by grace, bears good fruit through the Holy Spirit, and believes everyone matters to God, and gives sacrificially to the church for the church. You know, I know all of you did not get all the fake fruits, but if you're tired of faking it, if you're not producing fruit, Again, this message is not to condemn you. This message is meant to help you. Uh, your solution, solution today is simply Jesus. Uh, some in this room have not seen fruits. And some of us are like this good-looking fruit that I kind of threw all over, all over the place. It looks the part, but it's plastic. It looks the part, but it's fake. From the inside and outside. It's only good for show. And if you feel like that today, we don't want to condemn you. We don't want to make you feel good. We actually want to have something good to tell you. That uh, If you feel like you, have, you don't have a purpose, uh, because maybe you were doing life according to you. Maybe you were doing life according to your how family wants you to do life. Maybe you were doing life according to those who you have been seeking approval from. Maybe you're doing this according to the religious tradition that you grew up on because grandma wanted you to do it. Your solution today is relationship with Jesus. And when you do that, when you tell Jesus yes today, you're not doing, saying it so that you can have, so you can improve your behavior. You do that to surrender your life to him and make him Lord over your life. And you say, Jesus, I am done. I am tired of living life my way. I want to do it your way. Amen. Would you guys got all stand up?
for those who are going, um, who needs Jesus, I'm going to pray this prayer. This prayer will, will give you good fruit only if your root is Jesus. And I'm going to help you say that. The prayer does not save you, but when you pray, you just declare to God that you want Him in your life. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and you believe from your heart that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, that He has died and raised from the grave, and if you put in your trust in Him, that you are born again, that you are going to be part of the family of God. So if that's you, we're just going to, don't worry about who's around you. Don't worry about who's here and who's not here. It's just between you and God. Just ask you guys to close your eyes and bow your heads and just create a safe place for people to respond. If that's you, you want to pray that prayer today. Could you just repeat it for me? You can say it from your heart. You don't have to say it loud, but you can say it from your heart. You can just pray this, say, Heavenly Father, I repent from my sins today. Thank you for sending Jesus, your son. Thank you that he has died for me. And thank you that he rose again so that I may have life in him. I repent and thank you, Lord. We pray this in the matchless name of Jesus.